Hey guys, it's Kyle. And Nick. Do you like movies? How about TV shows? Pop culture? Then check out Damn Fancy Dinosaurs. For all your movies, TV shows, and pop culture needs, you can find us on Podbean. Just search for Damn Fancy Dinosaurs. We're also available on Spotify and wherever you can get good podcasts. Check it out now. Remember guys, stay fancy and enjoy the rest of the show. It's the moment you've all been waiting for. Hey everybody, I'm RJ, and this is the newest episode of Realms and Nerds. We've got a really great episode for you this week, and I think you'll really enjoy it. But before we get to that, i got a few things to tell you, including our big news. First of all, I'd like to remind you uh, that if you like our show, to subscribe to get new episodes as they are released and be the first to know about them. If you could also leave us a rating on iTunes and Apple Podcasts and even a review if you'd like, it would really help us and we would really appreciate it. Uh, Also, if you enjoy the show, we ask that you share the show with someone you think would like it as well, as it's one of the best ways to grow our listening audience. If you make a post about our show online, don't forget to include the hashtag RealmsNerds. That's all one word, RealmsNerds. You can find us on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr, as well as on Facebook with a Facebook page and a Facebook fan group. And you can find a link to the group through the page. So we are going to be adding a second campaign to the show, and it is going to run concurrently with this campaign, The Return of Ornan, uh, with the releases alternating each week. Unlike Ornan, we only have a three-character party, which is comprised of Ash, Harrison, and myself. We recently recorded our first episode, and we're really excited to share it with you. Anyways, I hope you all enjoy that campaign as much as you've enjoyed this campaign. And speaking of this campaign, it's about time we get back on track to starting this episode. So thank you to our friend Kyle for composing our main introductory theme. It's great, and we could never thank you enough. Thank you, listeners, for listening. It means so, so much to us. God bless. Hope you have a great week. Now let's mosey on over to the realm of the return of Ornan. Previously, on Realms and Nerds, The Return of Ornan. I have heard that my oldest of enemies has headed off to the north. There's a necromancer that lives farther up in the hills here, and he is mustering a skeleton army to come down this way. As the last enemy is felled on the field, Razar turns to you all and says, Well, that was fun. just finished wrapping up this battle against the Horde. So now that you have cleared the battlefield, uh, what are you guys going to do? First, Ramash is going to take a deep breath in and go... <sighs> that was satisfying. And then he's going to um, rip a pointer finger off of one of the skeletons and add it to his collection. Mikhail nods at Ramash approvingly. A soldier should always bring home trophies from the battlefield. Hey guys, could you guys, like, heal me? I'm not feeling too good. Razor goes, Yes, a glorious fight! Oh, Razor, man! Forgot you were here, bro! 
Okay, does going unconscious mean you're high? I was going to say, <laughs> I got stabilized with something, man. They jammed something in me to stabilize them with, with the morphine on the battlefield. Oh, hell yeah. Soldier's no. joy. <laughs> oh, this is why I wish I just run back to my house. Molly Percocet. Okay, I will cast... Who's this Molly? I'm going to cast Cure Wounds on Sebo. Oh. Thank you. You're unconscious there, bud. I'm stabilized. You're unconscious. Stabilizing. Clear. He gets 11 hit points. Wow. wow. Talk about an adrenaline shot. I bet Mikael could yeah. do better. <laughs> Thank you very much, Ramosh. And uh, Sibo is going to walk up and attempt to hug him. R- Ramosh is going to put his hand out and put it on his forehead and just be like, nope. Buddy! No, 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 we're not that close. Thank you, you just saved no, my not life! Not yet. You're, it's too soon, bud. Okay, fine. Uh, if we can't uh, glorify you... Guys, did you see me on the battlefield? Did you fucking see me out there? Did you Did you see that part where I fucking slid down the hill on a shield? Did you see the part where I crushed half the army with a catapult? Moving on. Did you see the part where you almost died? <laughs> <laughs> did you see any bright lights? A couple, yeah. I tried to go to it, but then I, I felt something like tugging on me, and I don't know, man. I was just kind of stuck there, looking at a light, almost, almost there. So, was there a leader to these undead? They usually have someone who casts them into existence and reanimates the dead bodies. Uncle? Yes, we believe that somewhere up in the mountains there is a sorcerer that's controlling these undead. Ramash gives Mikael a look with some raised eyes. Well, that sounds like a destination. I think it might be Malachalus. He uses more of his cult followers, less so raising the undead. Hmm. Still worth looking into, though. He might be of a party of evil sorcerers. Well, I can camp out here with you for tonight, but I can't continue northward with you. There's some matters farther south that need attending to. Sounds fair. Uncle, and before we met, I thought I was completely alone in this world, and all I had was nature and my will to save it. Now that I know you exist, it just gives me hope. You know, after this is all over, I'd like to spend more time with you guys, if you don't mind. Somewhere in the distance, Og flips him off. <laughs> Yeah, back in reality, Ramosh points his finger up in the sky. <laughs> way back there. Uh, this is like the like when uh, Gandalf and Saruman are yelling at each other when he's up on the mountain. <laughs> They're just like, fuck you! <laughs> yeah, yeah, that seems alright. No. Uh, See, Ramosh, you're not alone. You still got Og. True. You want to know who's alone? Me. My wife is dead. My son is dead. Killed by my ex-best friend, who I had to kill because he was not a good person. John, I don't, I'm, I don't really see how this is a laughing matter. You know, I, I am truly alone see how this in the world. Joan, I'm sorry. Obviously, Joan. you've lived this shitty life. Like, you're the law now, so... I mean... I'm sorry, did you say the law or the lord? Because those are two very different things. <laughs> I thought I said the log, personally. The log? <laughs> Enough! <laughs> Enough of this bickering! Let us make a fire, maybe dip into a cask or two, mm-hmm. and have a good time. I... 
Yo, Sibo's gonna pull out his viola and he's gonna start going ham, setting the tune. Okay. Uh, while you're evening. while you're doing that, sort of up in the back, kind of by where the last part of the defenses was set up, Razark has kind of got sort of like a, a foxhole that he covered with a little wooden kind of thatched covering that he made. And he lifts that up, and you can see underneath he's got uh, a couple of barrels of ale and some other provisions that he starts hauling out and bringing over to where the fire pit is. Wassail, wassail. Well, someone get a fire going. I can't do all the work. All right, I would like to set a fire using... Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. That's right. I would like to set a fire using, let's see, a firebolt. No, oh, wait! Wait, no, hold on, maybe not. You know what, maybe not. I don't have any bullets. So that would end in a wild magic surge. Yeah, I'm going to use a tinderbox instead, otherwise I'd be rolling wild magic surge. Okay, did you uh, did you haul some wood over there, or are you just sparking your tinderbox? We're on the king. Oh, yeah, where are we going to... Well, I mean, there's a river, so it might be... So, is there anything around you to build a campfire? Yeah, you just um, you just got to go out of short ways to kind of get some wood. I Basically, the way it is is the, this path is fairly clear, and there's, like, kind of steep hills on either side. But once you get up the hills, it, it is, like, more of an alpine mountain range. So okay. there is okay. all kinds of trees and All stuff. Right. Uh, will assist with the gathering of the wood. Okay, so you guys are doing that. What's oh, Mikhail man. doing here? He's going to go hunting. Mikhail's gonna go get some food. So while you guys are all doing that, Brunhilda decides that she's gonna go for a little bit of a walk, kinda clear her head after the battle. Even though her people are trained as fighters because they defend the realm, this is the first time that she's really been in a large-scale war like this. This was a pretty intense fight. So she's just gonna go out and clear her head a little bit. And so, as she walks down through the forest a little bit, she comes upon, uh, almost imperceivable until you're right on top of it, there is a small sort of cut that goes right into the side of one of the mountains. You want to check that out? I might as well. <laughs> All right. So Brunhilda makes her way, actually got to turn, like, sideways and kind of squeeze in. This is a really tight fit. But uh, after going down, this narrow passage goes on for probably about 100 feet and then takes a sharp left and opens up into a pretty spacious cavern. I'm uh, imagining that she leaves her armor outside of the cavern walls so that she can actually move in. So you just kind of left it all on a pile outside of the, yep, the entrance. Okay. Yeah, so she uh, she makes her way inside, and like I said, when she gets in, it's, it's pretty dark, but because of her dark vision, she can see a little bit. So this room is basically bare. It's very, you can tell that either this is like the craziest freak of nature, or this thing must have been hewn out by hands at some point. This is almost perfectly circular with like a domed ceiling to it. <laughs> And the walls are completely smooth. The only thing that you can see in here is a large anvil directly in the center of the room. And there is a forging hammer resting on top of it. She knows this symbol very well. It's a symbol that is well associated with the people of the mountains and forging and whatnot. So she moves closer to it. And she hasn't really been a very religious person in the past, but... 
the whole situation that she was in has kind of shaken her a little bit, so her father drug her into church all the time, and she knows who Morden is, but she's never really believed that he might have existed. So she sees this shrine, and she uh, lets out kind of a huff, and uh, approaches it, and puts her hand on it, and touches the smooth metal of the anvil, and examines the hammer, and just kind of looks at it, and thinks about her time with her father, and thinks about home, and all that sort of stuff. So as you're standing with your hand on the anvil, just sort of contemplating things, all of a sudden, from off to your left... Right by the edge of this room, you hear a long, slow crackle, like a uh, somebody taking a long pole off of a pipe. And as you turn and look, you suddenly realize that you are not alone. There is a simple wooden chair next to the wall with a dwarf sitting in it. He has white hair long white beard, and he's just kind of wearing sort of like, a you know, simple pants and a white shirt that he's got rolled up to his elbows, and probably three or four of the buttons are undone on it, and you can kind of see that he's got a really strong, muscular chest, and he's just kind of reclining in this chair and smoking a pipe. Well, you snuck up on me, didn't you? Well, I tend to be fairly good at that. Tell me, what are you doing here? I... I, I don't really know. I saw a crack in the wall, and I just sort of let myself in. He takes another long, slow pull off of his pipe and blows out a big cloud of smoke and leans back thoughtfully and says, It would appear that perhaps fate wanted you to meet me. Oh, um, I didn't mean to trespass, if, if that's what you mean. Um, I'll, uh, I'll see myself out if oh, you don't want no, me to. Oh, no, 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 no. Brunhilde, I know all about you. Okay, you're starting to freak me out with the name dropping and all that. I see that you recognized my forge there. I am, of course, Moradin. And, uh, I've been very interested in you. She starts backing up towards the wall. Okay, I'm, uh, I'm not ready for this kind of, for this kind of weirdness. I'm just gonna kind of let myself out now. He actually just kind of, like, holds up his hand and uh, snaps his fingers, and as he does, the hammer that's sitting on top of the forge actually lifts up about six inches and slams back down on the forge, makes a, like, loud clang. Please, don't, uh, don't excuse yourself so soon. She kind of looks at him with her eyes grow big, and she's like, and she just kind of freezes for a second, and it's just like, uh... I, I, uh, I, uh, I, I, and starts stammering and just kind of stops and catches herself stuttering and mumbling. As you're kind of standing there looking a little bit scared, he actually, I think he holds up both of his hands and he says, Now come, now come, now, I didn't mean to frighten you, please, just come back, come back. She slowly inches herself towards him, just carefully and, uh, slowly and... Tell me, child, how much do you know of the smithcraft? I'm... I'm I'm quite experienced in it. I'm not the best, as, as you might know, but uh, I know I know quite a few things. He snaps again, and all of a sudden you hear a slightly softer, like more of a different kind of a clang, and you turn and look at the anvil, and suddenly, sitting on top of it, 
there is a helmet. And he says, this helmet needs some repairing. Could you show me your craft? Uh, I, I, I guess I can. And she hurries up towards it, grabs it up, and starts examining it for uh, imperfections. And There's a pretty sizable dent in one side of it. Moradin says, the last wearer of this helmet didn't make it, we'll say. Uh, he, uh, was beyond saving of any capacity. She grabs out her tools. She looks at him and she says, I'm, uh, I'm gonna need a space to heat the metal. He gestures over to your right now, sort of the opposite side of the room where he was, and, uh, suddenly a forge has opened up kind of in the side of the wall. She nods to him and walks over to it and puffs the coals a little bit and sticks the helmet in so that she can heat it up. Pounds the dent back into where it's supposed to be, shines it up a little bit, quenches the helmet, and walks back towards him and uh, sets it near his feet. He leans forward, takes another long pull off of his pipe, and then bends down and picks it up, and he holds it and examines it, and looks over your craftsmanship and says, Yes, very well done. Now, listen, my child, I know that you don't consider yourself to be religious, is that correct? Well, not until now, I would say. You've, uh, you've kind of shooken me up a little bit. I'm, I, d I don't know what to think now. Well, if you need to see to believe, is that really faith, though? I, I guess not. Now tell me, are you willing to be faithful going forward? I think that you can do great things for me, and great things for your people and for this world, but you're going to need to trust me. Can you do that? I will try my best, sir. He looks at the helmet one more time and he tosses it back to you. You see that on top of your craftsmanship, while he was looking it over, he has somehow burned an insignia into the front of it. It's a large hammer, like a forging hammer that's been burned into the front of it. And he says, Keep this as a symbol of your devotion to me. You may find that it helps you with some magical abilities when needed. Thank you, sir. He takes one more long drag off of his pipe and then blows, and as he blows, the entire room fills with smoke. And as the smoke dissipates a little bit, you realize that he is gone. She looks at the helmet again. She looks at the altar, and she puts her hand on it again, and she says, I'll make you proud, sir, and uh, continues out of the cave. Okay. So you now have a new helmet. The new helmet's going to be a plus two. And then you now also are able to use uh, clerical abilities. As she gets out of the cave, she grabs her armor back up, doesn't don it, just grabs it back up and starts running toward camp to find Mikhail. <laughs> Mikhail actually had a purpose in his hunting. He was looking to see if there was any other scouts in the surrounding area. He was looking for food, though. Okay. I'm going to say let's do a nature check. Because we're going to see if you picked up any, like, trails or anything like that. Three. Yeah, you don't see really much of anything. So what did, uh, what did Mikhail get while he was hunting, though? A goat. <laughs> A two-headed goat. A mountain ram. 
<laughs> yeah, Solid. it was it was a mountain ram, but more of a pit bull stature to it. <laughs> <laughs> it's solid. A pit bull mountain ram. <laughs> well then. Okay, so you found a mountain ram. By the time that Brunhilde gets back, you have already returned and have got this ram skinned and you're starting to cut up pieces to put over the fire. Probably try actually spit roasting it and then like removing the horns. Okay, so were you looking to talk to Mikhail or... She comes up to him and I was just like starts babbling and going talking really really fast and Mikhail takes his finger halfway into the meat, takes it out and licks his finger and goes, it "Still needs to cook a bit longer." She holds out the helmet with the insignia on it and shows him, "What is this helmet you have found in the woods? Its unique craftsmanship doesn't look. Is this a new skill? Were you smithing?" I wish I could tell you that this is my handiwork, but it's not. It's fairly unique, and it doesn't look like it's from the region. <laughs> it's it's not from any region on this earth. Well, then where is it from? Would you believe me if I just told you that I had a chat with Moradin? Moradin? What pantheon does Moradin hail from? My pantheon. The dwarven pantheon. All pantheons will fall in Bahamut's last great war. I don't understand what this dwarven god has done for you. Let's see his handiwork. She carefully hands it towards you and uh, keeps a close eye on you as you look it over. It's examining fairly disbelievingly because I, uh, he's doubtful that it will work for him. Unless, of course, it grants whoever's bearing it the cleric abilities. I mean, it's only going to be useful for people that are followers of Moradin. Well... It's enticing as curiosity. He's kind of disbelieving that it's more than Sandy work. Okay. Alright, so you guys are uh, camping out for the rest of the night. Is there anything else you guys are doing? I mean, obviously this is going to constitute a long rest if you guys are hanging out here, but outside of that... I'm probably just going to nibble on the ram as I continue to roast it until it's mostly down to just what's left. Well, I assume everyone's sitting around the campfire. As the night comes into full, Sibo asks the group, So, um, where to now, guys? I think we should head north, find the source of these undead. I sure would like to wipe the hell out of the person who created them. I mean, what now? We're already heading that way. I would swear we were heading in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I think that the undead are definitely going to lead us right to where we need to go. Agreed. I think you should take care of this sorcerer once and for all. All right. All in favor of going north, say aye. 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 Joan raises his hand while he's still drinking. Joan, it's are slow, you even drunk? Crying. <laughs> nope. But, uh, thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> you in? Aye. Let's go. All right. Well, I'm heading to bed. Okay, right. so everybody turns in. Sounds good. Joan's still sitting up drinking. So it's the next morning. Did Joan do any bullet scavenging? While you oh, were here, man, I should probably do that, huh? That's a good idea. I mean, I like your constant wild magic searches. <laughs> They're fun. That was almost really bad. Uh, that's going to be a 20. Five bullets. All right. Uh, did anybody else get, just for the sake of inventory stuff, was anybody else grabbing? I mean, we've got a giant battlefield. Was anybody else grabbing anything, oh, looking yeah. for anything? Um, could uh, Tebow... Like some arrows or scavenger arrows. 
Yeah, I think you could probably scavenge around for some arrows here. Alright, you want me to like, fine. Well, I'll you do the same roll that RJ does to how many bullets he gets. 1d4 plus 2. 3. So, I think you guys say your last goodbyes to Razark and Amda. And they um, bid you farewell and they head off south. I, I guess I also should mention, well, the food was roasting, Razark dismantled the barricades and kind of moved them to the side. So this pass is more or less back to normal. Well, I guess so now we're off to see the wizard, the horrible wizard that raises skeletons. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter who. I just need two people to do nature checks. Ooh, how they one. Eight. Twenty-five. So as you're in that nature. As you're going <laughs> along, um Ramash, I think you kind of just because it's obvious at first you are able to kind of see where the path is that the skeletons were coming from, kind of along the main road. As it gets a little bit farther back and the trail is sort of deteriorated a little bit, Sibo kind of takes over and is following the trail. So as you get a little bit farther along, it's clear that the skeletons sort of were dispersed a little bit, or they came sort of in smaller groups. You find an area that was clearly like a staging ground that was farther up the pass, but past that, the trail gets a little bit harder to follow just because they weren't walking in a giant horde. Those of you that have any sense of magic kind of know that this sorcerer probably had to raise these skeletons in groups. He couldn't just raise a hundred of them all at once. Are there, like, any open graves? Like, upturned earth? No, you don't really see... You're still kind of following the trail where they were walking. From the best that Sibo can kind of surmise, there was a big area that he kind of was... The sorcerer was sort of mustering the troops up, but he sent them there in waves... So the trail has just gotten harder to follow just because it's not a giant horde anymore that was walking. I'm just trying to determine if they were summoned skeletons or raised dead. Yeah, you can't tell at this point. So you're going along. It's been probably four or five hours. You're not going incredibly fast just because Sibo doesn't want to lose the trail. When this path that's kind of been more or less going parallel to the actual pass takes kind of a sharp veer to the right and deeper into the woods. Okay, guys, well, um, looks like we're going into the woods a little bit. What's the climate like here? Peachy. Because I know I'm north. <laughs> yeah, I would say right now you're probably in high 40s. Is this also, like, high altitude? We're in the mountains, right? Yeah. Okay. So, so you're we're in, a, like, high altitude. So you're in a mountain pass. You're not up on one of the peaks. So... It is a higher altitude, not to the point like, like there, you know, like I said, there's not really any snow where you are. You can see it farther up in the hills. You're not really feeling like the effects of being up high, like the labored breathing or anything. The the best analogy I can make for that is like going through the mountains in Colorado. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of right now, actually. Sure. Okay. So yeah, so I mean, you're oh, you got the pine forests surrounding you and. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, so you're, you're just like tundra, but a little bit warmer. Warmer than tundra, for sure. <laughs> okay, I got it. So, yeah, so like high 40s right now. And you guys are just gonna go kind of keep following deeper into the woods here? Yeah. Should somebody check and maybe see if there's any reason to continue up the pass for anything? What do you mean? 
I mean, just because the trail veers off here from the skeletons doesn't mean there might not be something else up the pass. So you want one of us to keep going up the pass rather than follow the trail that veers off? That makes sense, Joan. I mean, I could go scout quickly and then Perhaps come back. We could I uh, split up. If I could put my opinion in real quick, maybe you should turn into a bear and go up there and act inconspicuous. I like it. <laughs> I'm all for it. Somebody's in the wild shape. All right, but I think I'm going go to direwolf. They're faster. Ooh. So, yes, yes, yes. Go to direwolf. Let me see direwolf. So yeah, I guess I turn into a direwolf and start running up the pass. So are you running on the path or just, like, next to it? I'll just follow kind of along the path, make it look a little inconspicuous, though. Okay. So you, uh, you run along up a little ways. Do I see anything? Um, I don't know. This is a dice-rolling game. How about you do a, an investigation check? We'll find out what you see. Yeah, 20. Suddenly you're imbued with the sight of a golden eagle. <laughs> no, um, so what you see farther up here is a little ways off, just because you are running in the woods a little bit, you notice that there is um, kind of been some disturbance, sort of broken branches and stuff. So you go and investigate, and you find a small cemetery that the graves have been opened up and emptied. There's probably only about 20 of them or so. So they are open graves, then. In this spot, yeah. Is there any indication to me where the person who came here came from? These graves, while they have been opened fairly recently, you don't get the sense that they're necessarily fresh graves. It's not like the person that opened them up was there yesterday. But, you know, f recent enough that they, you know, you can clearly tell that they were popped open within probably the last week or so. Can I see if I can catch the scent of anyone? Yeah, we'll do, yeah, we'll say do a perception check for that. Well, that one's a 25. I have advantage on perception checks dealing with smell. Okay. I'll just take 25 because the other one will not Yeah, get. I don't think you're going to be a 25 much with anything. <laughs> yeah, so you get a couple of good whiffs in. You get sort of an interesting mix here. So the wind is actually blowing from farther to the north. So on the wind, you can catch just sort of the faintest smell of kind of sort of like a dead sort of necrotic smell. You can't even tell how far off this is. With the way the wind is blowing and how high you are, it could be coming from anywhere to the north. Much closer to you, you're getting the same sort of smell back the way you came, kind of going in a sort of a southern direction back down the pass. Basically, it's leading you back the way you came. You can't really tell anything other than that. All right, Diarmosh is going to start heading back the way he came, continuing to see if the smell gets stronger as he goes. Okay, so as you're going along, do a dexterity save for me here. All right. That's a four. Okay. Um, Boy, as you're going along right next to the trail, you feel one of your paws kind of catch on like a vine or something, and suddenly a large wooden lattice work with these spikes in it swings down and uh, slams into the side of you. And you're going to take five points of damage from that. So, uh, are you going to investigate this, then? This thing uh, just yeah, I'd like to see what I just triggered. Okay. So. 
So yeah, go ahead and investigate that. That's a 20. Okay. As you kind of cautiously come back and look, you see that your paw, in fact, caught on some kind of a rigged tripwire. When you pulled it, it basically released a stopper that let this thing swing down and smack into you. It was kind of suspended up in one of the trees. As you examine it, you actually realize that this handiwork looks very similar to the defenses that were made by Razark. So you can only surmise that he came a little bit farther up and tried to set some booby traps for the undead as they were coming down. Well, in that case, Dire Mosh, as he continues heading down, is going to be a little more cautious. Keep his eye out for some of these traps, now that he's fully aware that Razark may have planted more. Okay, go ahead and do a uh, perception check for me. Alright, that's a 16. Yeah, I think you're able to make it back. You don't see anything for sure. If you see areas that look suspicious, you just sidestep them and make it back without incident. Good. So what'd you see? Before I change back or anything, is the scent strong here? That undead smell is following southward? I think it's gotten a little bit stronger. You're kind of getting it from two ways now. You're getting it sort of from the path that goes deeper into the woods, but also from the south. I assume he surmises that's from the dead that they just fought, so... Right. All right, I'm going to change back into Ramash and tell them... Well, guys, up northward, there are some open graves where some of these skeletons came from. There was only like 20 or so. So it's not where they all came from. I caught scent of some necrotic magic. I couldn't tell exactly where, but it was coming from the north. But I also got some emanating from these woods. I think we should travel through the woods. If they are raised dead, then the caster was aware of their presence in the area. They who? I'm saying they were opened graves. Those are raised dead. Graveyards are often put in place by people of the area to put their dead to rest, and are only known by those who live in the area. I'm saying the sorcerer who raised these dead is probably not far from home. Interesting concept. Does anybody know of any towns nearby? Remorse? No, I'm afraid I'm not that familiar with this area. I have not heard of any towns in this way, but traders do come from this direction, so it is very possible that we may come across a trading post of sorts. Alright. Well, the best thing we have to go on right now is, uh, the necrotic scent down this path, so my vote is follow that. Agreed. Just follow the path that we've been following. Well, yeah, the one... I mean, he just went to go scout the one way. We're about to go off into the woods. I vote we continue into the woods. Okay, so we're all on the same page now. Yeah. Awesome. I guess we're going. Over the river and through the woods and to our demise we go. So, as you continue deeper on, you actually, even though it's kind of a fairly dense thicket, you uh, quickly see that there is sort of a cobblestone path that's going along through here that makes it actually fairly manageable. And uh, as you get down a little ways, you suddenly come upon a small cottage. Looks like it's probably only got three or four rooms. There's a nice uh, chimney with some smoke coming out of it. A little farm with some couple animals next to it. Burn it down. <laughs> we, we should probably be careful. My father told me a story about this once. If she offers you any food, don't eat it. 
Romana just knocks on the door. So are you talking about, like, a fairy tale? Okay, so after a, uh, a couple of seconds, the door is opened. It is a gnome with reddish blonde hair standing about three feet tall. Looks to be a little bit on the older side as far as gnomes go. He's got a little bit of gray kind of in the corners of his temples. He says, hello, yes. Hello, good sir. How are you doing today? Oh, God. oh wonderful, doing? wonderful. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. I was wondering if you could uh, guide us to the nearest civilization around here. Civilization? Oh, there's nothing like that around here for miles and miles. I see. So, um, do you just live out here by yourself? Oh, no, no, no. This isn't even my house. This I'm, uh, I'm the, the housekeeper and groundskeeper here. So you just manage this building? You don't even live here? Uh, that is correct, yes. So, um, is this just a stopping post for traders in the, in the area? No, no, this is, this is my master's home. Who's your master? Yes, who do you serve? Uh, his name is Mal. Mal? Yeah, Ma- Mal. Mal, okay, um. Does the master of the house deal in witchcraft and wizardry? Oh, yes, oh, yes, he's a very powerful wizard. Now, um. Has he ever worked with necromancy? Oh, indeed, it's his specialty. So, I was wondering. We actually are very interested in meeting your master more. Do you think that it would be possible for him to point us in his direction? Well, uh, yes, I mean, if you would like to wait, he should be coming home soon. He, uh, he had some business to attend to up the mountain a ways. Would you mind if we, um, rested here for a little while? We've been journeying for a long time today, and... We really could use uh, just someone to lay down for a little bit. Oh, of course, of course. I, I, I mean, if you're here to speak with the master, I don't see any issue with you waiting here. And, uh, oh, where are my manners? And he, uh, he bows a little bit and says, My name is Lawson, and as I said, I am the keeper of this house. I watch over things, make sure all the meals are made, the tea is on the pot, and things of that nature. Well, it's very nice to meet you, Lawson. I am Sibo of House Nim. Oh, house name, yes, 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 I, I am well aware. Well, um, thank you for your hospitality. And, uh, Sibo's just gonna take a step into the doorway. Ramash grabs Sibo by the arm, says to uh, Lawson, Would you excuse us for just half a second? Oh, yes, he, gr- he, he basically <laughs> brings the group into a little huddle. <laughs> okay, I don't know if this is such a great idea, staying here waiting for a necromancer to come. Mikael, do you, do you smell something weird here? It, I, I don't, are I don't like the feeling to here. A, are you referring to, like, a miasma in the air? Is something wrong? Uh, oh, no, Lawson, thank stand. you for your concern. We'll be right with you. We're just counting our money. Give us a second. Guys, look, here's the thing. We found the sorcerer. We know where he lives. Better yet, we're guessing his home. Come on, guys. If we mean to take this threat out, I, I don't see any better way we can do this. I, I mean... Obviously, look at look at this. This is poor gnome treatment. Do you see this? Obviously, he's not a good person. He needs to be eliminated. I'll send him to my brothers and, you know, into the hood, you know? So as you've been talking, uh, Larson actually comes... He looks kind of concerned. He comes over closer to you. I, I hope I haven't offended at all. Oh, no, no, not no, at all, no, Larson. No, no, no. Not at all. 
Uh, my friends here would just, uh, they, they feel really weird staying in other people's homes. It's not quite their culture. Uh, but everything's fine, yeah? He extends his hand and he sort of grabs Mikhail by the wrist and says, Oh, please, please, come inside! I, I'm still quite suspicious. Okay. Well, as he does that, uh, it's a 16 versus AC, if I can hit you. <laughs> that is not going to hit. Okay. Oh, it's so obvious. Uh, you suddenly feel a burst of magical energy kind of blast through your arm and makes you sort of recoil. Oh, hell, I'll go inside. I <laughs> Do we notice I, that? Uh, I draw my sword. <laughs> yeah, so Sibo's going to grab his dagger and put it straight up to Larson's throat. Okay. And with my other hand, I raise my shield. Okay. This escalated. What just happened? So, uh, let's go. Uh, whoops! <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> My dude just won. He just gave me the, the shake zapper, right? <laughs> he just goes, oops! <laughs> and, like the, uh... the joy buzzer. <laughs> so, the joy buzzer. Sibo... You, you said you have your dagger up to his throat. Dude. Okay. You actually suddenly feel yourself being pulled as a skeletal hand has now just reached out of the ground and grabbed your leg. And what started, the fuck? It's actually starting to pull you down into the ground. Rush reaches to grab Sibo's arm. Sibo is going to fling his arm into Ramash's. And Ramash's going to pull him away from the skeleton. Okay. Just strength check. All right. That's a four. Okay, yeah, you don't get him. Sibo's still getting dragged. He's actually up to his knees in the dirt at this point. Okay, Uh, well, Sibo's gonna hang on to Larson uh, then. Okay, you actually are not hanging on to Larson because as you got pulled, he actually stepped a couple steps away. Okay. Ramaj, uh, 15 against AC? Nope. Okay. Larson shoots a... There's a beam of black energy that shoots out of his hand. And uh, you kind of move a little bit, and it just streaks past your head. Ramash would like to uh, cast Hold Person on Larson. It has to succeed on a Wisdom saving throw or be paralyzed for the duration. Okay. Uh, that's six. Uh, no, that's not going to do it. He's paralyzed. Okay. How long is the duration? A minute, but that uh, gives some time to get a hit in or something on this guy. Guys, do something fast. I can't hold him very long. Okay. Sibo is uh, up to his waist. Guys! Please, somebody help me! Brunhilda tries to run, or runs over to him and tries to pull him up from the ground. Okay. Uh, that's a 13. Uh, so with a 13, you are able to pull him about halfway, so he's about up to his knees again now. You get him partway out, but he's still getting pulled. My savior! Joe, Mikhail, do something! All right, all right. Don't get your panties in a bunch. Oh, he said you're wearing panties. All right, Jones is gonna. Don't let my. Don't Jones let my gonna do whatever the hell. <laughs> strength don't check, right? Yeah. Okay. Sixteen. Yeah, you're gonna be able to pull him out. As you turn back to face Larson, you see that he is actually almost completely submerged in the dirt now. As he's being pulled down, and he's going goodbye. <laughs> Can I try to pull him out of the ground again like a daisy? Can I help him? Let's do dexterity here to see if you can get to him in time. Can you're I not, also like, particularly do that? Try and help him? Uh, I think this is going to be just Brunhilda. 
That's a 15? Yeah, his hand is still sticking out, but you are able to get a hold of it. Should I do a strength check now? Uh, yeah, go ahead and do a strength check. That's an 11. You're not, I mean, you're holding him in place, but you really can't get him out. Make a um, chain gang! Will somebody please get over here and help me? We need to get this bugger before he digs himself into the ground. It'll be 11 versus AC, is that gonna hit? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> this guy is like the worst magician ever. Yeah, you actually feel another zap go through your hand. Bugger! But you're able to just kind of hang on to him here. Joan will bend over, you know, since he's got the height to not even have to move. <laughs> okay. When I get you up here, I'm going to punch you so he's, hard. In the- he's bending like Gumby, is what you're telling me. Yeah. <laughs> when I get you back up here, I'm going to punch you so hard that, uh, well, I can't really come up with anything yet, but when you get up here, I'll think of it. Well, let's get him up here first. Strength check on the uh, gnome. Yeah, that's going to be a seven. You cannot pull him out. He is actually um, now beneath the ground, and I think that your hand is actually now underground, Dude, too. This You're is, still hanging this out. is going to grab Honda. <laughs> okay, okay, imagine this. He sinks into the ground, and you see little Brunhilde's legs flailing above <laughs> the turf. Mikael, go for Brunhilde, and Ramash is going to grab Joan's arm and try to help him pull okay. uh, Sebo out. Yeah, we got a problem here. Well, we already, we already got Sebo out. Yeah, I'm out. What? We're They're good. trying to keep Larson from getting away. Oh, well, Ramash is going to grab onto them and pull. Okay. I got a six. Yeah, uh, you get nowhere, and uh, Joan is now in up to his shoulder, and his face is actually starting to turn <laughs> This isn't very important. Mikael! Uh, Mikhail addresses Sivo. Uh, what was it beneath the ground that was pulling you under? Yeah, that was a skeleton, bro. Uh, Joan, make a constitution saving throw. Eleven. Suddenly, Joan hears a sound that sounds like his revolver going off, but ten times louder, and he is now deafened. What? Y- you are... <laughs> well done. Damn it. Well done. <laughs> ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. Oh, he doesn't got you, son. <laughs> uh, so you are deafened for the duration. And how long is the duration? Uh, the duration is one minute. Okay. You got hit with a flashbang. <laughs> Apparently. You go underground and there's noise down there. <laughs> Wait, Brunhilda's down under there, too? Were you still hanging on to Lester? Oh, yeah, I'm not letting him go. Uh, I think you actually have both hands on him, so you are like, both hands in your head are underground. Like I told you, my little legs are just flailing all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, do you want me to do a constitution throw? Um, So I need uh, Brunhilde to do a strength check, and Joan do a strength check with disadvantage, because you're uh, kind of disoriented. disoriented right now. Oh, shit, that's an 18. Well, huh, I guess that's uh, going to be a 12. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Finally get a nat 20, and it's uh, no uh, a <laughs> So, Brunhilde, I think you actually pull, and um, you're able to get a little bit of headway. You actually feel the arm of Larson you're hanging on to kind of comes back up as you get sort of your head out, and you're back up to probably about your elbows. Joan, 
you actually slipped. You got in really far. You are now uh, <laughs> just your like your knees up are out. Of the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is. Ramachi's gonna try and pull. Should we out? grab them? Yeah, Mikhail dashes over and grabs one leg of Joan and one leg of Bernhelda. Wolf, no, I'm out. He's my, out. my head, I just have my, like, from my elbows down, and I'm yelling at you. Uh, so I grab your shoulder and his knee, then. Would you bloody help? Come Ramashi's on! He's helping! Ramash has an arm okay. on this guy! Go ahead. That would be a 17. Okay. Um, you guys can join the fight, bro. <laughs> okay. Can Ramash make a throw, too? He was holding on to the guy there. Alright, go ahead. 21. 22. Sucky rolls, So bro. you guys are all pulling, and you feel in this resistance next to you, and all of a sudden, the ground, kind of in like a ten-foot circle all around you, just gives way, and oh, the entire fuck. group drops about ten oh, feet. Fuck! That's not very far for Joe. <laughs> no, it's not. And you're just, and you're kind of buried in this what? sort of like mound of dirt. Okay, guys, I will admit now that this may have been a bad idea. You think? Ross starts trying to dig himself out. Guys, don't worry, I have a grappling hook. Okay, so as you guys start, um, somebody do a uh, perception for me. I would like to do a perception. Is it, is it dark? It's dark in there. Are we isn't essentially it? in a pit? It's ten foot deep. That's what the perception is for. Oh, okay. Seventeen. Okay, as you roll your perception, you see that you, in fact, have sort of collapsed into part of a tunnel here. You can kind of see you've, like, collapsed a section, and so there's parts on either side going on. And uh, down sort of at one end, off in the distance, far enough away that you can't even see it, you just hear Larson's voice come back. So sorry, I'm picturing the sound of, like, little wet feet going... <laughs> yeah, it's just, like, <laughs> off, off in the distance, just, you hear his voice, and he's just gone down that way. Get your ass Get back your ass here, you bloody spoon! Starts running. Fuck you! <laughs> no, fuck you! Fuck you, Larson! Fuck you, you shit, shit. It was nice knowing you. Sorry, I had to lie to you about basically everything, though. <laughs> I was gonna say five minutes ago, y'all were just kind of like, "Oh, sure, we'll we'll stay at your house." Yeah, I offered you tea, and you didn't take me up on it. I totally wanted the tea. When do you think the last time I had a good one of tea was? I believe we are all pursuing. I had game course to. Uh, so you guys are dig- you guys are digging yourselves out of this dirt then right now, right? Yeah, Ramash is trying to. Seawell's going to uh, grab his grappling hook out of his bag. Okay. Also, uh, before you go, do a perception check. Me? Yeah. 20. Okay. Uh, before you grapple up, you uh, take in a long whiff, and you can smell that, in fact, Larson was not lying about having so- some <gasps> of the... Uh, some of the, the, the timber, what is it, the timber cross finest or whatever. <laughs> so that dank dank. <laughs> Alright. Where are you going? Uh, I'm, I'm going up. Why? Larson went that way. Yeah, but I don't want to be in this pit no more. So, we're not going to pursue the guy that we need to get information on. We can just go to the front door again. 
Your logic is astounding. Might I say that, um, if he has this tunnel, he probably has more and more. He probably has a labyrinth under here. I don't think we're ever going to find him down here. Exactly. Unless we can flush him out. Like going back to his house. While y'all were talking to me, Kyle is still advanced down the tunnel in that direction. And he casts Divine Sense to see if Larson is further than 60 feet away from him. If he's less than 60 feet away, he should be able to sense him. Right. You can actually sense evil beings kind of everywhere. Even, like, the dirt to the left and the right of you smells. I freeze and just kind of take in the noxious aroma of everything surrounding me. Okay. Mikhail, what is your elf no-smell? Danger. Everywhere. Alright, I think I'm with Sebo. We should probably get out of this tunnel. Yeah, yeah, we should. We are in quite a dangerous zone. Pulls out his viola, completely <laughs> commits to the act. Okay, let's climb out of this tunnel, I suppose. Out of this. So Steve-O's not going to throw his <laughs> I swear to God. Okay, go ahead and just do a, uh, I guess an athletics check, just to see if you can, like, hook your grappling hook onto something. Critical fail, man, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, your grappling hook falls back into the hole and hits you in the head. So do I try again? Yeah, take two. And also, you take one point of social damage <laughs> as everybody laughs you at you. Acrobatics? Uh, just do like an athletics check. Oh, athletics. Why is there always athletics? That's only going to be like a 12. Okay. Yeah, I mean, a 12 is enough to get you out of this. It's not a particularly deep hole. Okay, so Sibo's piecing out. Is everybody Ramosh else is moving? She's right behind him. Okay. So, uh, what's next? Rosh is going for the house. Go for the house. Approximately a minute after everybody's left the hole, Joan manages to dig himself out of the dirt that fell on top of him. <laughs> in the hole. And uh, <laughs> looks around, not quite sure where everybody went, and starts to go down the path that he sees, since he figures it's probably where they went. About... 20 seconds after he started walking down is when his deafness ended, so he didn't even hear everybody up above. Yeah, that's about it. Guys. Joan! Hey, Joan! No, turn around. I think Joan just walked down the path, guys. Oh, <sighs> fuck's sake. I'll go get him. I'll come with. Yeah, we all gotta go get him. Do you have dark vision? Dark vision. Amazingly, no. Ramash is the only person in this party that does not have dark vision. He does have Turn into animals that have it. <laughs> You know He's, what? like, reaching down, Giant feeling man. shoulders, you like, okay, I'm just gonna follow you. You guys go get Joan, I'm gonna go explore the house. Um, Mikhail, you should probably go with him, just in case there's anything dark in there. You can purify the house. Bite me. I'll take Siba with me. So, assuming that he's behind everybody and needs to catch up, Joan actually went kind of running down through this passageway. Okay. <laughs> Alright, Brunhilde, oh wait. Do you jump down? Yeah, no, I don't jump down. I climb down on, off the rope, or He's down the rope. graceful road, dwarf. Like a normal human being, okay. or like a normal dwarf. Dwarven After Brunhilde gets to the bottom, Sibo grabs the rope and gives it a... <laughs> and then attempts to grab his grappling hook as it falls. Okay, that's going to be in uh, acrobatics. 21 breath. Yeah, you, uh, you catch this grappling hook, and it's very cool. 
Your social rank is restored. Brunhilde is not... Um, <laughs> she doesn't find it cool at all. Okay. So, Joan has gone more or less sprinting down this hallway because he thinks he's being left behind. Correct. So you're running down this hallway. A little ways up, you get to where the hallway splits. So, RJ, you just text me if you're going to go left or right here. Okay. That's more informative than you think it is, actually. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> My pun has gone bad! <laughs> so, uh, Joan reaches a fork in the tunnel and uh, quickly picks a direction and keeps running. Uh, he gets a little bit farther up and there is a another split. He again picks a direction. And then a third time reaches a split and hits another one of the tunnels and just kind of keeps trucking down. He's kind of just running on instinct here. And suddenly he uh, starts to see a faint glow up ahead. And uh, as he slows a little bit, he suddenly bursts into a uh, a room. This room is probably medium-sized. There's all kinds of bookshelves around the walls. There's various alchemist-looking tools. There's some random things bubbling in pots over small fires. You know, just kind of like a a mortar and pestle with uh, a lot of different dried ingredients laid out. Uh, It's kind of like what you would expect in sort of a, a wizard's laboratory here. And um, in the center of the room, uh, dusting himself off, is Larson. And he turns around and goes, Oh, hello. Hello there. (laughs) Uh, Well, that was quick. Um, Did you not bring your friends with you? Uh, What do you mean, did I not bring them with me? I I was catching up to them. Uh, You are here all alone, as you can clearly see. I mean, I'm here, but... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I guess I... I don't know. What are you doing all the way down here? Well, this is my laboratory. Uh, This is pretty nice. I like it. Cozy. Anyways, uh... And, uh, he, uh... Kind of goes over to a, a small wooden box on one of the side tables and pops it open and uh, actually pulls a uh, long joint out of it, lights <laughs> it up, <laughs> takes a quick puff off of it and holds it out to Joe and says, Wanna hit this shit? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> this is the moral dilemma of the century for Joe. Didn't we agree that by not being able to be intoxicated, we included like that's right. He already tried yes. it. Yeah, that's right. Can't. All right, Joan will. Uh, did he try it before? He yes. did. He failed. Okay. Joan will uh, take the blunt and <laughs> yeah, take a hit. All right, so you uh, you take a hit off of it. Are you just gonna just puff and pass then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to be stingy. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Larson takes it back, and uh, he actually takes another hit off of it, and he looks around and goes, Well, since your friends aren't here, I suppose it's not really reasonable for us to start fighting just because. 
I guess. Why, why would we fight? Well, I, I figured you might be a little bit upset about what happened. Nah, I mean, people go under the ground every once in a while. You know it's, what happens. It's very true. It's very true. Anyways, and he, uh, he gestures over, and there's kind of a little side alcove that goes in, and as you look inside, there is a uh, sort of a cozy-looking fireplace. Um, because this is underground, this is burning with kind of like an alchemist fire, so mm-hmm. it's not like a normal fireplace. Um, so this fireplace is burning, and um, there is actually uh, probably six or seven big overstuffed chairs that don't have any legs on them on the floor, kind of in sort of a round shape that you can just kind of lounge on. Yeah, I gotcha. Do you mind if I take a seat? Not at all. I was just going to suggest it. All right. So he uh, he leads you in there. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Actually, he flops down into one of the one of these chairs and uh, sort of motions you to sit in another one of them. And take a seat. He actually uh, he takes another hit and he hands you the joint again, and then he goes, and suddenly into the room walks what can be best described as a person that looks like Larson but slightly off, and he says, "What can I get for you?" We'd like some snacks, please. Thank you, number two. And so when you give him his kind of qu- this kind of quizzical look, he says, Well, I couldn't get everything done myself. I made a clone, so what? Well, that's, that's, that's pretty good. I like that. So um, a minute or two passes, and this clone comes back, brings in, uh, he's got some peanuts, and he's actually made some breadsticks for you. Oh, nice. And I uh, got some nice nice, <laughs> nice dipping sauces. And uh, also brings in kind of a little pony keg of some ale. Oh, that's the trap train. Now that's the stuff. <laughs> Bruh, in this story of um, Hansel and Gretel, you're like seriously hanging out at the witch's house. <laughs> in the oven. And she's beating you. You're going, oh, that's delicious. <laughs> You dumb fuck. So, uh, yeah, so for the next, you know, several minutes, you guys just sit there, drinking and smoking and having some snacks. Oh, fuck, Joan. Joan is still sober as fuck, though. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) But he's enjoying himself a hell of a time. Actually, a strange thing happens. Joan is, like, just, like, a twinge feeling this weed when he's smoking it. (laughs) <laughs> not like enough to say at this point with the amount that he's consumed it's not enough to say that he's really high but because he hasn't been able to get intoxicated in the past now he's not sure if it's just like a special blend that this guy's got or what the deal is but he's feeling it a little bit so you'd be saying he's uh he's feeling happy feeling good yeah i mean he's feeling maybe a little bit looser all right cool a little bit more relaxed you know, you know, Larson, your twin thing. <laughs> That's funny. It reminds check, check out this. I just learned how to do this. I just learned how to do this. You'll get a kick out of this. And Joan is going to cast Alter Self. Um, okay. God. So, Alter Self lasts up to an hour uh, on concentration. You assume a different form. When you cast a spell, choose one of the following options. The effects of which last for the duration of the spell. While the spell lasts, you can end one option as an action to gain the benefits of a different one. There's aquatic adaptation. 
natural weapons. But the one I'm going to go with is change appearance. You transform your appearance. You decide what you look like, including your height, weight, facial features, sound of your voice, hair length, coloration, and distinguishing characteristics, if any. You can make yourself appear as a member of another race, though none of your statistics change. You also can't appear as a creature of a different size than you, and your basic shape stays the same if you're bipedal, you can use a spell to do that. So, uh, he's gonna change so himself to look like, uh, Larson. Okay. I fucking knew it! <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you change your appearance, and you look just like Larson. He goes, <laughs> Oh, goody, goody, this is wonderful! Yeah, no! It's Hold like yourself is one of my favorite spells! <laughs> it makes it look... Look, oh, just like Jesus you. <laughs> oh man! There's it's like I'm another clone. Waiting for anybody who walks down to that. So he, uh, oh, he man. actually, he, he goes. This calls for a celebration. <laughs> so what he does, um, in the center of the room, there's kind of this wooden box, and he pops open the top, and there's sort of like a little pipe down in there. And he takes another length of this piping and sticks it into it. So now it's sticking out a little bit above the box. And then goes over and pushes a button on the wall. And you hear this sound from, like, right kind of above where the fireplace is start to bubble. He then quickly runs back over and puts his mouth onto the piece of pipe coming out of the floor and takes a long breath in. And um, he, in fact, has a giant bong that's installed above his fireplace. <laughs> and, he just, and he just takes a huge rip off of it. <laughs> and he goes, are you going to try this? Sure as hell do. Joan goes over there and tries it. Okay. Joan takes a, a hard rip off of this. Joan can't handle the milk. <laughs> and he is, uh, he's actually, like, we'll say, lightly high at this point. Next, let's jump to, uh, let's jump to the guys upstairs. So we got Ramash and Mikael are now uh, going to the house here. I swear to God, if we open the door and find, like, a collection of bongs. And pieces just everywhere. Ramash will burn the house down. Anyway, we go, I guess we go in the house? Yeah. Okay, you guys go into the house. You guys just walk it in? Yeah. Okay. So you walk inside and just kind of look around. I guess roll an uh, investigation see what you guys see in here. Matt, 20. 8. Mikael, to you, this just looks, as you're standing there, just looks like a normal house. I mean, one of the rooms is a bedroom, another one looks like it has a desk and, uh, you know, maybe some papers on it. Nothing kind of stands out, though. Yeah, I mean, it just looks like a normal cabin. The most sort of uh, noticeable feature is that one of these rooms actually has a... uh, sort of an indoor chamber pot in it, which is uh, sort of surprising. Into um, a chamber pot. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Billy West. the future! Uh, Ramash, you notice, as you look, that not only does everything here look completely normal, it looks too normal. And as you make a closer inspection, you realize that absolutely nothing in this house is real. The food on the counter is all fake. It's carved out of, like, wood and other materials. The wash basin is 
actually just like constructed out of like some flimsy okay, pieces so of wood. I literally went from Star Wars to Arrested Development here. Like I pictured Hologram House at first when you <laughs> right. said nothing is real. I was going from and then yeah. when you said all the fruits carved, I'm like, this is Arrested Development now. <laughs> they're they're in the <laughs> they're in the setup house. <laughs> if any of you guys, if any of you guys saw the interview with James Franco when the part where he goes into the store and finds out that everything in the store is a lie. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Like, this house is entirely a showpiece. There's nothing in here. Well, Mikhail, this entire house is fake. So that tells us that his so-called master doesn't exist. Do you see the cavern below? Agreed. Hold on a second. And, uh, Ramash starts lighting everything on fire. Oh! I suddenly pictured you walking in in a pyromaniac outfit with like a total flamethrower. You're just like, agreed. I brought this, this from, I brought this from my uncle. Give me a minute. Yeah, he's got the freaking flamethrower from his he's uncle. A maniac. Maniac. <laughs> That's my theme song playing while I'm just throwing fireballs everywhere. Do a. Just do a roll um, with charisma. 16. Okay. So as you walk out of the house throwing fireballs, you look mildly cool. Um, not badass walking away from an explosion cool, but like, you know, you, I mean, you, you have a fair amount of coolness as you're kind of chugging fireballs around. I feel pretty good about myself. Does he, does he look back as the house is exploding behind him? Because cool guy. No, no, no. He, he takes a, he takes a little peek over his shoulder. Yeah, see, because he wasn't super cool. Right. So, yeah, so you have burned this house down to the ground. And we are going for the tunnel. You're going to jump back down the hole and get into the tunnel? Yep, we're going to okay. follow him. Let's see here. So, Sibo and Brunhilda, you guys have been walking down the tunnel, and you have now reached this first branch in the tunnel. What do you guys want to do here? Is there any tracks that I can... Is, what's the dirt look like? Is it, like, loamy? Is it pretty hard? Right, can I, uh, can I roll, like, a, um... At this point, uh, I would say that the dirt is still kind of fairly squishy. You could probably pick up some tracks if oh, you... Oh, definitely. So what do you want me to roll for survival? For, like, tracking? Or... Yeah, it's gonna be survival. Four? So, uh, I'm not really a very poor track. You can get us through the woods, but you can't go through a tunnel there. Yeah, you know, one's nature, man. I know nature. Do I get, like, an advantage because we're underground and I'm a dwarf, or not? I'm gonna say probably not, because this isn't, like, a mine or a cave. It's kind of like a, just a tunnel. That's a four. Does he go, like, look right down at the mud, just like... Are you smelling it, or are you looking closer? What are you doing? He's taking a very close look. Okay. No. 19, man! You actually, when you get down close and look, you actually can't see anything more. However, you can smell a slight whiff of something that you recognize. The air is fallower over here. All those follow your nose. Okay, so you uh, point Brunhilde in the direction of the tunnel you want to go down, and you uh, take off down that way. After you, my lady. Let's get your ass moving. A little ways farther down, you have now reached another tunnel here. You got another option for a left and a right here. Toucan Sam this Here we bitch. go. We're going to follow, follow your nose again. Ten. Yeah, I think you're getting a little bit stronger of a smell here. 
But I think that it's actually started to wind farther enough that you're not, like, really sure which way you should go here. You kind of, like, let's say you, like, have a suspicion, but you're not really sure. So let's see if uh, Brunhilde can help you out with figuring this out. You said it was a wisdom? Uh, it's gonna be, uh, survival. Survival? Yeah. So it's just wisdom. Which, yeah. yeah, I guess that is your That's wisdom. That's 18. 18, okay. So, yeah, I think your kind of tracking ability coupled with his sort of hunch on which way to go is enough that you are able to figure out the right tunnel, and, uh, you keep going down that way. At this point, let's jump back to, uh, Mikhail and Ramash. You guys have been pushing down the tunnel, and you've made it to the first branch here. I'd like to do a perception check. As would I. Check okay. and see if I can see... Actually, I'd like to do that tracking survival check. Okay. See if I can't track them. That's, uh, 18. Okay. Are you doing a perception check? Yes. Okay. Let's see if I can notice any footprints. Nine. So you don't really notice much of anything with your perception check. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> you can't perceive much. With your, uh, with your check, though, Ramaj, you can see that, uh... You need to go off to the right here. Mikhail, we gotta go down the right tunnel. I follow Ramash's instincts. Okay. So a little little ways up here, you have now reached the second tunnel. Ramash is gonna check for tracks again. Okay. I shall also do so. Fifteen. Ten. Nine. Dude, you're helping. You're trying. <laughs> okay. So, um... <laughs> so you, uh can't quite pick up on, like, a clear set of tracks here. However, Ramash, when you kind of had thrown up your hands in frustration, you're not really sure which way to go. Mikael takes a deep whiff in, and he thinks that he can smell something coming from the left side tunnel here. Ramash, I say we take the left at this turn. Are you sure? Not entirely, but I do have a stench. Well, it's barely what I got. Let's go. So you guys head down the left side here at the second junction. So we'll go back to Sibo and Brunhilde here. You guys have reached a third junction. At this point, I don't think you even need to roll. You can just smell this. Wait, wait, wait. Brunhilde, do you smell that? Oh, what is that? Oh, it's the dank. And, uh... It's very clear which tunnel you need to take here. Follow me. See what takes off. <laughs> okay. You cut. So you're running, right? Oh, he's taking. Brunhilde, are you running behind him? He's running as fast as her little legs can carry her to okay. catch up with him. <laughs> so you guys burst in. You see a laboratory. You cut to the left and see a lounge area with low lighting, several comfortable chairs laid out. Kenny G playing in the background. The the room is... There's actually... um, It's funny you mention that. There's actually a harp in the corner that is magically playing, kind of just like like a little tune that's going. And you see not one, not two, but three Larsons all just chilled out in a cloud of smoke. Brumhilda turns heel and says, I'm not dealing with this cliche. You can figure this out by yourself. Um, hey, Lawson, what's up, buddy? Um, you're still a folk. I can't believe you did that, mister. But, uh... Smells like you got some weed over there, man. You gotta get some of that. We could just pretend like you never dropped me and my friends down a hole. And I'll just leave if that's what you want, you know. We don't need any trouble. One of the Larsons turns to you. 
and says, Oh yeah, by all means, come hit this shit, man! I oh, fuck yeah, bro! And he motions <laughs> over to, uh, actually the big, uh, pipe that's coming out of the center of the room. What is this? Uh, I think I'm gonna need a stepping stool. Just kidding, he's a no too. <laughs> Uh, getting high as a kite down in the dirt. Whoa, Lawson. Sick rig, bro. Uh, do a constitution check for me. So fucking big. One. Sibo got very baked <laughs> with those two hits. He is, uh, I mean, he's still aware of what's going on, but he is real chilled out right now. Pretty spacey. Another one of the Larsons actually kicks one of these chairs over to you, and uh, you sort of just flop down into it. Whoa. So what's Brunhilde doing here? I followed the path that I took back. Okay, so you start walking back down the path. Yep. Uh, Mikael and Ramach, we'll cut back to you. You now have reached another junction here, another left and right. Perception check. Okay. I'll do a perception check as well. Nineteen. That's a twenty. At this point, uh, neither of you can really smell anything anymore. However, off to the right a little ways, there are a few faint footprints that you can see. Do I identify what the footprints look like they came from? Not really. They are of a fairly normal humanoid size. Well, this is the best lead we got, Mikhail. I think we should try following these footprints. Does it, uh, do they come in a number of sets, or does it just seem like it's one set? That you can determine, at least. There's a few different paths. They're all around, like, similar size. The footprints are decayed enough that you can't really tell if they're all from the same person that's gone back and forth or if it's been multiple people. But nothing, like, particularly stands out to, like, make you think so. So it's a well-traveled footpath. Well-ish, at least. The footprints are fairly faded, so it hasn't been used super recently. Ramash, I am doubtful of our position. I believe we have taken a wrong turn. Mayhap we may follow this tunnel back, retrace our steps, and take another path. Mm, what makes you say so? Nothing on the ground looks fresh. None of our companions could have been down the tunnel longer than we were in the house, which was only moments. I suppose. Alright, let's double back and try again at that last junction. Ramash is gonna change into a direwolf. Okay. And I'd like to do a perception check with smell. See if I can't pick up anyone's scent. Okay. That one's a 20. And that one is a 24. So the only thing you can really smell is a little ways down the right path here. You catch kind of the sort of acidic smell of maybe like alchemy ingredients or some kind of a chemical thing. But that's about it for what you can smell. Ramash starts trotting his way down the right tunnel. Mikhail follows at his heel. Okay, so you guys walk down a little ways, and you come into a fairly large cavern that has all of these kind of littered around it. There's probably about a dozen of them. These pits that are kind of foaming with sort of a greenish liquid that's sort of bubbling. Ramash, do a, uh, I guess do an arcana check for me. That's a seven. You have no idea what these pits are for. They're all just kind of there, they're bubbling, and it looks sort of ominous. 
but you're not really sure what the deal is with these. Can I do, like, a perception check of the room? Uh, sure. That's, uh, 16. Aside from the pits you see, there is a couple of wooden tables, probably about seven feet long. They're kind of, like, littered sort of along, wrapping around the wall on the right side as you've come in. Arash has over to them. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're just wooden tables. There's nothing special about them. Nothing on them? Nope, nothing on them. You also notice on the far end, there's a ladder, but then there's also sort of like a sloping passageway as well. And from down the passageway, you actually see some thin wisps of of smoke coming down it. Ramash is going to change back and say, Mikhail, do you have any idea what these pits are for? What kind of magic is this? I would like to do a perception check. Thirteen. You really don't know much more than Ramash. You have a general sense that you think that this has something to do with certain disciplines of alchemy, but you're not really sure what the purpose of these would be. I am not entirely certain, Ramash. They uh, seem to have some rather alchemical properties to them, but other than that, I can't really contrive much. There's some kind of smoke coming from up that passageway over there by that ladder. I think we should check it out. All right, I'm with you. And I guess we go that way. Okay, so you head that way. As you head to this passageway, it starts to slope up fairly sharply, and uh, as you get a little ways up it, you start to smell a pretty strong odor of burning wood. I'm going to cast Pass Without Trace. It lasts for an hour okay. with concentration. A veil of shadows and silence radiates from you, masking you and your companions from detection. For the duration, each creature you choose within 30 feet of you, including you, has a plus 10 bonus to dexterity stealth checks and can't be tracked except by magical means. A creature that receives this bonus leaves behind no tracks or other traces of its passage. Now I'm going to cast that on me and Mikhail. Okay. The passage kind of winds its way up a little ways more, and suddenly you reach a uh, wooden door. And as you push it open, you are now back out on the surface, and you can see the house that you just caught on fire is uh, well and burning and is blowing thick clouds of smoke all over the place. Well, this is a dead end. Well, at least tells us that that gnome is somehow involved with those pits back there. And we at least know that there's a way out, besides the pit we fell in. I say we should go back in and see if we can continue trying to find our friends. No argument there. Okay, so you guys are going to go and try to figure this out here. Let's cut back to uh, the room where we've got Sibo and Joan and Larson and Larson clone. Well, I guess we got three Larsons total hanging out. So one of the Larsons says to Sibo, So Sibo, what are you doing in these parts? Oh, I mean, in these parts, like, what do you mean? Well, I don't get very many visitors around here. Oh, well, um, we're just from my compatriots. We're, um, we're looking for some evil wizard dude, I don't know, trying to find necromancers. Saving the world and shit, man. One of the other Larsons goes, what sort of necromancers are you looking for? Oh, uh, well, I mean, and go here is, uh, is Ornon, of course. But, um, I mean, uh, this is this other guy. His name is, um, oh, uh, 
Maliopolis, and, um, oh, oh, I don't know, somebody who raised, like, a thousand, thousand, hundred skeletons, and, um, so that we had to kill them all, man. A hundred skeletons? Yeah. You killed all the skeletons? Well, yeah, me and my friend, I mean, I did a lot of the work. <laughs> Those were my skeletons! Well, you're a skeleton. Why were you sending skeletons to go down south? Well, because I was told to. Oh, by who, mister? One of the Larsons passes you a joint. Thank you. <sighs> well, it was this, this winged fella. He hired us to send these skeletons down. Now, when you say winged fella, uh, horny? Was he horny? <laughs> <laughs> Like he was a little bit on the anxious side, I wouldn't necessarily say horny. I mean, I mean, I don't normally swing that way, but you know, <laughs> when, I mean, when the cush is good, yeah. I guess. Lawson, did he have horns? Oh yeah, yeah, he had horns. I'm so sick of this. Let's go see. Um, so how many horns exactly? Uh, well, uh, uh, um. Uh, and actually, one of the other Larsons picks it up and says, I'm a level. I was pretty high at the time. I think it was three. I'm not. It might have been more or less. I, I don't know. Three sounds like a good number, Larson. I like that. <laughs> and another one of the Larsons says, So tell me again exactly about how you did all the work at the wall. <laughs> <laughs> so, you see, um, there was this situation... Where I was up on top of this mountain ridge, right, and I had to, I had to get down to kill some skeletons. So I, um, I, I grabbed like a shield and I slid down the hill. Looked really badass. And you seem pretty small to be doing all the work. No, no, yeah, <laughs> coming from you, Austin. I get it, gnome joke. <laughs> no, but like for real, uh. Honestly, sometimes I just feel like gnomes are just under underrepresented. That we don't get no credit we really should. Another Larson says, Amen to that, amen to that Yeah, so um yeah, and I jumped over the wall and I uh killed a couple couple guys and then I jumped back over the wall because I didn't want to get like trampled because you know. So um <laughs> What, one one of the Larsons leaves the room for a moment and comes back in, and uh, he's got some brownies um, that are clearly have some uh, green flakes in them. <laughs> brownies, anyone? Shit, Larson. That sounds like a great... Wait, real quick, Larson, I completely forgot. Have you seen my friend Joan? Really stern-looking fellow, cowboy hat. Uh, carries around that weird metal thing on his hip that shoots tiny metal arrows. <laughs> so, the three Larsons actually quickly put their heads together for like two seconds, and then they all look back at you with straight faces and all go, We are <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, um... Joan? That's... Really? <laughs> this whole time you've been pretending to be the law... And you've really been some kind of alchemist this whole time? <laughs> fucking killing people, raising them from the dead? And one of the Larsons actually kind of takes this brownie and, like, shoves it in your mouth. Uh, so, uh, where is Brunhilda at this point? Is she, like, just trunking it back, or...? 
She's mumbling to herself as she climbs up the rope. Okay. <laughs> so as she's doing that, uh, suddenly now, as you guys have just been hanging out and Sibo's been telling his version of the events that happened at, in the fight, after some difficulties and some backtracking, Mikael and Ramash have now been able to follow the smell and uh, made it into this room. So you guys turn the corner and see three Larsons and one Sibo in a giant cloud, just chilled out on some, like, beanbags. Hey, Mikael, Sibo, I wish I was surprised. My friend, my friend, would you like to hit this shit? Mikael, I know how this goes down. We gotta find the real one, right? Well, what you do is you ask him a question that only the real one would know. And then, if he where's wrong, my special birthmark? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> and when they answer wrong, you blast them. So I think all three of the uh, the Larsons put their heads together again for a quick second, and they stick their heads back. And one of the Larsons goes, "Your dick!" And they all just fall over, dying laughing. <laughs> Ramash walks over to the bong pipe. Puts his hand on the end of it and shoots a blast of flame in it. Hey, man, what's going on? He just keeps shooting flame into the end of the pipe. That was the nicest piece of glass I've ever seen in my entire life. How could you do that? You shut up. You. He points at one of the Larsons. And only you. How do I know, Fog? And without consulting your little buddies there. If I see so much as one of you bend your head in, I'm gonna knock your fucking ass up. Wait a minute, what? You, you shut up! I don't want one peep out of you. And Ramash actually walks over there and slaps him across the face. I just don't understand why you're interrogating Larson. You answer the question. How do I know why? Uh and he thinks for a moment and he goes. Uh, he's your cousin? Ramash throws a flame at him. Go ahead and roll uh, an attack here. Fifteen. Okay. Um, what's Joan's AC? <laughs> Fourteen. Okay, so Joan actually gets hit with this fireball. <laughs> um, <laughs> Beautiful. He knows the answer, but he wanted to keep this ruse going. Yeah. So he uh, he <laughs> he said the wrong thing on purpose. So I guess roll damage on your fireball here. You take six fire damage. Okay, and you suddenly turn back into Joan. Joan, you dumbass! Yeah. The hell do you think you're playing? Yeah, you were marching out of stand this whole time. That was just there was three Lawsons, and now there's two Lawsons <laughs> and a Joan. I literally talked about how funny Joan was looking. <laughs> I, I that was really good. Oh. <laughs> Ramash points at the next Larson. You. Now I know one of you's the real one. I don't know which one. We're both the real Larson. Well, kind of. What do you mean, kind of? Start explaining yourself. Hey, Ramash. You shut up. Joan's gonna cast Alter Self again. <laughs> Turn himself back into Larson. Ramash is gonna take his jump and tumble into the other two. Ramash is gonna take his quarterstaff and hit all of them on the head with it. Okay. Hard. 
<laughs> I guess roll damage on this one. Just roll one damage, we'll go with that. Twelve? That's not gonna connect with any of them. So you miss, and one of the Larsons, because again, they're mixed up and you don't know, goes, Well, one of us is Joan, and the other one's a clone, and one's me! But is me me? Mm. Hey, Mikhail, <laughs> uh, you might want to back up a few steps. Mikhail is just chuckling to himself and is barely standing. <laughs> hey, Mikhail, trust me, you're going to back up. Hey, hey, elf boy, you want to hit this? Oh, I already fear that my lungs are at capacity. I can barely contain myself with laughter. <laughs> oh, my God. Ramash is just going to stand in the middle of this group and cast Thunderwave. <laughs> wow! Okay, so as you, I guess, as you, like, get ready to cast it, one of the Larsons reaches down and picks up this big bowl and goes, We got this one special for Dragonflame if you want to hit! Ramash just screams silent and disbelief if he doesn't Ramash is a very serious... Look, why with all the violence, man? Hey, Ramash, look, we're all just chilling here. Look, we, we got off on the wrong hand. Well, look, we're just having a good time. When was the last time that we actually really settled down and had a good time? What's your deal? What 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 did I do? Yeah, bro, what did one of these three Lawsons do to you? And one of them might be Joan, which means that one of them might have done all that shit to you that Joan did. Sebo, hello? We're looking for the person who sent the skeletons? Yo! What, what, one of the Larsons said, Why did that? Yeah, you see, he what? sent... No, look, look, he sent the skeletons... But you're not going to believe this. Maliocalus told him to do it. He gave me a lot of gold and bought a lot of kush. Uh. Say what? Maliocalus paid you to send Where a is Maliocalus now? He went up to the north. Uh. I think we know what we're going next, huh? We can, we can dispense with any quarrel we might have with you if you can only lead us in the pursuit of our true quarry. Yeah. Well, I mean, I... This one thinks for a moment, and then another Larson picks up and says, Okay, okay, enough with the games. Come here. He leads you back down through some of the tunnels and kind of winding around a little bit to a different room. He opens up the door, and there's this pretty nice-looking sort of a bedroom here. About as nice as you would expect for sort of an underground tunnel. You know, there's a nice bed, a fireplace, kind of similar to the one that was in his chill-out room. Because it's Larson's house, there's like a bowl full of nugs on the table. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just like some random stuff. But other than that, I mean, it's, just, it's a nice bedroom. And uh, sitting on the bed is a human woman. She looks to be probably late teens. Meliocles left her here when he took off. He said that she's some sort of a, a savant or something. Or, no, that wasn't it. Uh, um, a seer. Seer, that's what it is. It was a seer. Yeah. Interesting. Have you been using her abilities to peer into the future of us arriving here? Well, she doesn't exactly give... Uh, futures, per se. It's more riddles. Uh, you're welcome to talk to her. Oh, I love a good riddle. Ramash walks over to the seer. Uh, who are you, exactly? She just turns and she looks at you, but she doesn't answer. Can you tell us anything about our quest, perhaps, seer? 
She kind of cocks her head a little bit and looks at you, but still isn't really saying anything. She's just staring at you. Where's Meliocles? She actually turns and kind of surveys the rest of the room, then kind of stops and sort of fixes her point on a, really like kind of on the wall behind you, like she's not really looking at any of you. And suddenly she begins to speak. The Plain of Doom holds promise. Warriors who have been lost eternally can be found. Enter the land of eternal strife. There you'll find your purpose. On the giving of blood the world will turn. Fate always demands a price. And with that, she kind of just goes back to sitting and staring at the wall. Mikhail starts writing down immediately what was said. Okay. I I guess we can, like, I don't know, think on this for a little while. Clearly of some Guys, you know what I think would be a great idea? If we just stayed the night here, right? We all had a little time to sleep on this riddle. And, um, we can, uh, we can go back to that nice laundry room where it's nice and warm. We can just chill out, bro, and, uh, you can figure this out. That is if Larson is willing to accommodate us. Oh, of course you guys can stay the night. It's been too long since I've had some chill-out buds. So are you guys just going to go back and hang out with Larson for a little bit? Apparently, Ramash is going to go search for Brunhilda and bring her back and tell her the riddle. Okay. Brunhilda? Yeah, we found Larson. I'm pretty sure you found him, too. I don't know why you just wandered off. Actually, you know what? I think I do know why you wandered off. Anyway, so apparently he has a seer, and she just told us this riddle. And I don't know, but I feel like it's important. we got to figure this riddle out. In the meantime, we're going to spend the night. Larson's going to show us where Maliopolis went in the morning. Are they done with that stupid parlor trick? I'm not dealing with that again. Uh, I'm not doing this. Ah, uh, don't worry about it. If they annoy you, you can just knock some heads, you'll figure out which one's Joan in the end. Alright, show me the way. So the rest of you go back down with Larson. He's got, uh, in sort of another area, he sort of shows you to, like, a couple of rooms that he's got that you guys could bunk in for the night, uh, and then you guys go to hang out with him. Is Joan still a Larson, or did he go back to Joan? He's going to stay a Larson until that hour is up. Okay. So I think it's later in the evening, the hour is up, he's back to Joan. You're all just hanging out. Larson is sitting near Joan, and he turns and he looks at him and he goes, So it doesn't seem like my uh, hospitality, if you will, is affecting you quite as much as everyone else. No, I, I mean, it's, been, it's, it's nice, but I guess not. Not for trying, at least. He kind of cocks his head a little bit, and he goes, I sense an enchantment on you. That's kind of what it means to be a sorcerer, yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, He goes out into his workshop for a minute. You hear, like, some grinding and some smashing and whatever. About five minutes later, he comes back in, and uh, he's got a bowl that he sprinkles a little bit of weed and a little bit of this other powder into. <laughs> and he lights it, and he hands it to Joan, and he goes, Take a hit off this! Joan takes a hearty hit. Okay, Joan takes a hit off this bowl, and as he does, this curse from the wild magic that was bestowed on him is lifted. 
And as it is, Holy the shit. entirety of everything that Joan has consumed since the curse started hits him, and he immediately blacks out. He's dead! What the He's fuck? dead! Why did what happened to Joan? What, what did you do to him? I, I lifted the curse that was on him. I think he's been drinking quite excessively. Uh, uh, oh, he, he uh, already pissed and shit himself, guys. You Fuck. No... He's throwing up that god. Oh. Yeah. You probably should get some fluids in him. Oh, we can't put <laughs> fluids in that. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. He's writhing on the ground. Somebody put a wallet in his, his mouth. His liver is gone. It's just melted out. Somebody put a wallet in his mouth. He's having a seizure. <laughs> Guys. Yeah, so Jonah, Jonah's on the ground, kind of like writhing, but completely unconscious and just like freaking out. Um, eventually, they're able to kind of restrain him till he calms down a little bit. Somebody call IXII. <laughs> and uh, they get him in <laughs> Get him in a room uh, on a bed. The next morning, you all wake up. Joan is still um, passed out cold. He's dead. Should we do some some death saving throws? I ain't wasting a spell on this dude. So, so, yeah, so Joan is not dead, but he is uh, Very very, very unconscious. So you guys all proceed to the surface, and as you get up there, you see the burned ruins of Larson's cottage. And Larson goes, What the hell happened to my house? Mikhail says, Oh no, Maliaculus must have burned it down. My god, I thought he paid you to do that. He must not like you at all. Do a, uh, uh, <laughs> what do I want to do here? Gabby, a deception. Check. Yeah, a deception. Let's see how good you are at lying. That's a 14. So Larson doesn't believe you, <laughs> but he also doesn't really know what the truth is. So he just kind of looks at you and a little bit and then just goes, Well, some of this group's been a lot cooler than the other dudes. <laughs> Anyways. Hey, Larson, I have a question for you, actually. Yeah, there's a cavern down in those tunnels filled with pits of acid or some such thing. What the hell is that? Oh yeah, that's my raising chamber. <clears throat> we drop the bodies in there, and they come out as skeletons. Bada bing, bada boom. The bodies? It, well, I mean, like not live people, duh. What? You? Oh my. I'm a necromancer. What do you want? We're gonna have a talk when we're done with Maliaclis. Let me tell you what, but you're a little messed up. To himself, Ramos is just thinking that he's gonna have to talk with some druids about this guy, because this is not cool. There's gonna be like a druidic intervention in this guy's <laughs> life. It's time to so anyways, anyways, as you guys are leaving, Larson goes over to Sibo and um, kind of goes to like give him a sort of a handshake, and as he does, he puts a small bag into his hand. He goes, for the road. Hey, yo, Larson, bro. You got some of the dankest shit that I've ever seen. And that's, that's, uh, I'm from the White Timber Fort. So, I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard of the, you know, the White Timber OG Kush, bro. But it's kind of known as uh, one of the best strains. He leans in and he goes, what do you think's in the bag? <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right, Larson. Peace. So you guys take off. 
Sibo, as you open up the bag and look, you actually realize this is a miniature bag of holding. There's actually 10 pounds of weed in here. Hey, what's up with you? <laughs> Not, nothing, Ramon. What's that tiny little bit? Nothing, bro. Are you bringing like acorns or something? Slips in his pocket. Did you say 10 pounds? <laughs> yeah, 10 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Man, after I cleared this bag out, it's going to be pretty useful. <laughs> uh, no, but okay, but that's all the bag can hold okay. is just weed. <laughs> so you guys continue on. Uh, who's carrying Joan? That would probably be Ramash or Mikhail. Okay. Or I guess Brunhilda can. How about Sebo? I'm just carrying him on my arms <laughs> like a baby. Uh, 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 your motherly nature. He starts out. throwing up. Oh, it's okay. It's and that's okay. so awkward because he's like twice your height. <laughs> I, have, I have 20 strength. I can just see his body just, like, flopping around. Just wraps me up like a pretzel. How much do you weigh? 180 pounds. Well, well she has, like, 20 strength, so she's a freaking female bodybuilder, and she's carrying him over her shoulders. Okay, so, okay, so we gotta wrap up here. So, um, yeah, so you guys are going along, and, uh, I think probably about... About a day or so into your travels, Joan wakes back up, and he has a headache like the Fury of a Thousand Suns. <laughs> hey, buddy, you're awake! Hey, how you doing, Joan? <coughs> Are we talking uh, too loud for you? Are you okay? How you doing? Ramash, do you mind getting him some, uh, I think there's some king's blood around here. It usually helps with this sort of thing. I don't think there's enough of it in the world to fix what he'd been through. Uh, Alright, so Joan is awake, at least at this point. Yeah, but he hurts too much to even respond. He's hurting. <laughs> so you guys keep walking. You travel for, actually, a couple of days going north. You kind of go off the, I mean, you're off the path. You're like, you know, like the the pass has ended. You're just going through the wilderness. You guys really, I mean, you're heading off, you've been told to go north, so you're just kind of heading that way, but you don't really know what to expect here. And on your third day of travel, you suddenly reach a stone face that has, um, it's like a, like a cliff, right? It's like a solid cliff, but there are some runes that are carved into the side of it. Big runes? Uh, I mean, fairly big. We're talking. I mean, we're talking. The letters are probably probably about a foot tall. Okay. So it's a big carving on here. I guess you guys want to investigate this, or anyone? Sure. Ramash is gonna see if he can decipher the rooms. Okay. Do an investigation check right now. All right. That's uh, an eight. Okay. I got this. Uh, it's probably honest. your specialty. I, I got this. Me yeah. rolling to investigate the rooms because they're made out of. Stone! Stone! Oh, he got the banshee. It's 13. Yeah, we're gonna go with a 15. That's 19. So, Sebo and Brunhilde, you put your heads together, and you realize that these runes are very similar to the runes that you saw carved down in the uh, bottom of the burrow. Hey, uh, these are the same runes we saw... That, that we couldn't break that door down, right? I don't like this. I don't like this one bit. So, uh, guys, somebody want to go punch that cliff for me? See what happens. No takers? 
All right. So Sibo's Sounds gonna... like a job for the Dragonborn. Sibo's going to pick what, up... What, what, uh... Who's the warrior guy around here again? Pretty sure you've spent your life punching things. Let's pick up a rock. Sibo's going to take that rock and throw it right at the stone face of the cross. When you throw it, the letter nearest where you impact it glows with kind of an orangish glow slightly, but then that's about it. Ramash is going to walk up and gently touch the rock face. You feel sort of an energy course through you. You have a sense like you don't quite have enough power alone to activate whatever's going on here. Hey guys, I, I think we should all touch this rock face. I feel like it needs more people to activate whatever the spell is. So you want more people to touch the dangerous wall? I don't think it's dangerous. Joan goes over all right. and just kind of lays against the wall. <laughs> Okay. He just plays his face. going to touch the wall. Uh, okay. I'm just going to draw my sword and kind of touch the tip of the wall and kind of test the okay. corners near the lettering. You don't feel anything when you touch it with just your sword. Then I put the sword away and put my palm. Okay. I hesitantly creep towards the wall and just put my hand up to it. And as Brunhilde's hand touches it, suddenly you all simultaneously hear a voice, although nothing is physically spoken. Hello, heroes. You have been deemed worthy. Will you be the chosen ones? Is this like in a game show voice? And with that, um, the stone actually, there's like a spot right kind of near where you guys are, splits open and opens up about a, a doorway-sized hole with a tunnel going through. Joan goes through the door. Rosh goes right after him. Simba follows. I descend into the hole. Brunhilde starts swearing at Morden and walks through the door. Okay, so you guys go about a, about a half mile through this tunnel, which is fairly level, and uh, suddenly you start to see a reddish glow from the other side. And as you go a little bit further, you suddenly open out into easily the craziest scene you guys have ever witnessed. This is something even that the dwarves that Brunhilde knows have not witnessed. It is probably 30 square miles completely encased inside of a giant stone cavern. The ceiling is vaulted, going up hundreds of feet. The center of it is dominated by a big castle made of this dark stone. And the entire thing is just lit, instead of being lit by sunlight, it's just lit by this dark reddish glow. You're sort of standing on a hill, and as you look down and then going into this area going on, there are bodies and armor and weapons just littered everywhere. And in the distance, nearer to where this castle is, you can hear the sort of din of a battle going on. And you can tell that for certain, you have reached the Plains of Doom.
you like video games? What about podcasts that talk about video games? Well, you should listen to Lit Gaming Arena. What is the LGA podcast, you ask? Well, we're a weekly podcast where we bring you the facts of video games. We talk about new games. We talk about old games. We even discuss the news. And contrary to how this promo sounds, we don't take ourselves too seriously. So come check us out at LickGamingArena.com or search for Lick Gaming Arena on any of the major podcast platforms such as iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are sold. And don't forget, that's Lit Gaming Arena.